You're listening to the official podcast of Asbury University, produced by students with God-honoring conversations that inform, edify, and encourage. This is Asbury. We explore culture and current topics through a Christian worldview, promoting a well-balanced life, and we empower our community to belong, become, and be set apart. I'm your host, Abby Lobb. Welcome to This is Asbury. Welcome to This is Asbury. Today we have with us Dr. Devin Brown, who is a professor of English at Asbury University, where in addition to other literature classes, he teaches a course on Lewis and Tolkien. He also teaches in the Asbury University Honors Program. He has a PhD from the University of South Carolina and a master's degree from University of Florida. Dr. Brown is an award-winning author and a frequent speaker at conferences and college campuses all around the country. And he also is a recipient of Asbury's Francis White Eubank Award for Teaching. So how long have you been teaching here? Yeah, this is my 28th year. Okay. My wife Sharon and I came here right after we finished our PhDs and settled in Lexington and have been here ever since. Most recently, you have published a new book. Do you want to tell us about that book? Most of the books I write about are about Lewis or Tolkien. I wrote the two most recent biographies of them and then a number of books about their books, which is what English teachers do, right? And then at one point early on, since if you like Lewis and Tolkien, you get this idea of writing something creatively yourself. I have MFA in creative writing. And so I had a book called Not Exactly Normal that came out a while ago. And it did pretty well. And they wanted a follow-up book. And by the time I got around to writing that follow-up book, there was a different editor there who didn't want the follow-up book that I'd written. So I've been shopping this one around for a while. And what's nice is getting the chance to improve it each time. So I have a book called Not Exactly Love that's coming out with All's Nest Publishers. It's an independent publisher outside of Madison, Wisconsin. And depending on when people listen to this, it comes out August 15th of 2023. So it may be out by the time some people hear this. We've got big hopes for it. So it's a middle grade book. So that means it's for middle schoolers. That said, younger than middle school can read it. Older than middle school might like it. It's about a word-happy girl named Lita Johnson who has what she calls semi-requited love. She's in love with someone who's a boy but not her boyfriend, but she wishes Uh he was, something we've all been in. Anyway, that's her situation. Along the way, a mysterious cat shows up on their deck, and those two stories get interwoven a bit. There's a culmination. The little Episcopal school she goes to, St. Luke's, is going to have their first annual Valentine's Day roller parties, roller skating party. (laughs) And so that's what it culminates on. Mm -hmm. So I will say this. There are books of high adventure, and there are books of daring deeds. This is a book about more ordinary people's lives. If you're a young person and you haven't really found yourself in a book yet, a book just about people and their day-to-day life and the questions a young person might have, that's kind of what I tried to address. Well, I personally love that because I have two young readers in my house, one of whom is newly 11 years old, and I know she's going to love this book and absolutely will see herself in that. So I definitely resonate with that. And it's hard to find good books for her to read. So a lot of parents just with technology, many parents struggle with getting their kids to read a book. You know, I hear from a lot of friends or, you know, maybe friends who are teachers in high school, and they say that a lot of these kids really struggle to get through an entire book. We know a lot of this is because of technology and social media, you know, just that attention spans have really declined. And so obviously the effects of this are going to be negative. There's many 
reasons why we should all read, of course. So can you talk about your approach to writing young adult fiction specifically for kids who are consuming information differently? Yeah, it's not just change, but it's changed really rapidly. Mm -hmm. It seems like within just a few years, everything's changed. So, you know, one approach is to try to write fiction that's full of explosions and car wrecks or humor-wise full of booger jokes. And that is not the approach that I took. I decided to make the writing as good as it could be and trust the writing, trust that there are people out there who want writing about interesting things, interesting writing. It's as funny as I could make it. Matter of fact, Lita Johnson, my protagonist, is actually funnier than me <laughs> because I've had a number of years to keep adding. Anytime I thought of something funny, I went back and added it to the book. So oh, nice. She could be consistently a little bit more funny, but she's quite eloquent in even a way that I'm not always. I'm not convinced that there's not people out there who want that kind of book, a book mm-hmm. that has a lot of thought, a lot of beauty, a lot of deep questions, and doesn't present easy answers. I can't wait to read it. I know my daughter will as well. So this is a very different type of book than you typically write. <laughs> You've written, like you talked about before, you know, more academic writing. So is it tough for you to switch gears to this type of fiction? I'll say my other books, Lewis Biography or a book about the Lord of the Rings, is mm-hmm. a very different kind of writing. Yeah. It's the kind of writing most college professors do. It was actually kind of a relief to do a different kind of writing. This was just as hard, but probably more fun and maybe more rewarding. I'll also say it's harder to publish fiction than a scholarly book about, you know, if you write a Lewis biography, there's a whole Lewis audience out there who will be interested in getting it. If you publish your own fiction, there's lots of books. So there's a little higher bar when you're writing your own work. But it's been fun. It's been funny to do. It's been fun to make it humorous and the revisions. It's written for young people to read and enjoy. What other projects do you have planned for the upcoming school year or maybe just beyond? We're all excited about the upcoming fall at Asbury. There's just a great feeling about it. We're very excited. Every year, God sends us wonderful students. Every year we graduate wonderful students, you're thinking, oh my gosh, is this the end of the golden age? And then next year, you get just as wonderful students, wonderful in different ways. So you, at some point, you think we'd learn to trust God. Maybe, maybe I'm still working on that. Anyway, I know we have some great students returning, which I'm excited about, great new students coming. And so at Asbury, teaching is the bulk of what we do. I have friends who teach at research universities where research is the bulk with some teaching. Well, all of us here do teaching with some writing or research or professional activity. Oddly enough, at Asbury, that professional activity takes all different forms. At a research school, man, it has to be a certain kind of article for a certain journal or else. Here, you need to be professionally active, but can it be in a way that suits your own particular interests, desires, abilities, places that God's called you to serve? which is something I really like about Asbury. So I'll be teaching Intro to Lit for one class, which all English majors, creative writing majors, English ed majors have to take. Some media comm people end up taking it. I'll teach Adolescent Lit, which is sort of my specialty as well, which is also a class I'm excited about. I have a different kind of book coming out in the late fall, just before Christmas. I'm doing, we don't have the right title yet, I'll say. I'm doing an annotated reader's guide to Christmas Carol. Dickens' Christmas Carol. And uh, it has Christmas Carol in the middle. It has a couple essays by me at the front. And then all the footnotes that I and my editors could think of so that a young person could read it and understand it. And you'd think Christmas Carol, everybody can read it. Makes sense. I know it's Mm -hmm. Dickens. It's almost 200 years old. Anyway, I turned in the first draft. I had 200 footnotes. It's not a long book, if you you remember. Anyway, at the end, we ended up with about 300. And 
It's things like, you probably don't know what this word is, so here's a quick gloss to say what it is, just so it won't interrupt the reading. So mm-hmm. Christmas Carol will come out in November, just in time for Christmas. And then another project I've been involved in that I'm very excited about is the Fellowship for Performing Arts out of New York. Max McLean is the president, has done a series of plays about C.S. Lewis. And he used my Lewis biography for the first one, Most Reluctant Convert. And then at some point, that became a movie. They asked me to write a study guide for the movie, which has been great. He is now on the road with a second play called Further Up and Further In. I did the study guide for that. And then Screwtape, their adaptation of Screwtape Letters, is going to be launched late August. So I just finished the discussion guide to go with that. What's the unique value of literature and creative writing in today's culture? I mean, it it just feels like it's hard to even fathom how far we've come in just a few short years in terms of how much people are reading. And in fact, there was a stat recently that I saw in the Wall Street Journal, and it was basically something to the effect of people are reading less than they ever have before. Essentially, that's oversimplifying it. But what is the unique value of literature today. Yeah, when they say people are reading less, they probably mean fewer books, right? I mean, they're reading a lot of news on an iPad or a computer, and if it's not in a newspaper, it's on a screen, which isn't all that different for that sort of thing. But you're right to say people may need to be thinking about reading books again. I heard that book purchases actually went up during the pandemic, something that maybe people wouldn't have predicted. And bookstores, real book and mortar bookstores are making a comeback, which is great. All of us are part of a story. And what is your story? The story's told about three guys who were breaking rocks in a mm-hmm. quarry. And they asked one guy, what do you do? And he says, well, I'm breaking rocks. They asked the next guy, what are you doing? And he said, well, I'm earning a living for my family to support my wife and my kids. And that was how he saw what he's doing. And then they asked the third guy and they said, what are you doing? He said, well, Yes, I'm breaking rocks, and yes, I'm earning money to support my family and children, but I'm also part of something beyond us. I'm helping to build a cathedral that people will worship in. They'll be lifted up for hundreds of years to come. Now, they're all doing the same thing. It's what story do you see yourself in? And I'll just say this. You may not realize it, but every ad you see is telling you a story about your life. If you get these shoes, your life will be really cool. And if you don't, your life is like a disaster. And that's the story that all those ads are telling you, that your life without this product is worthless. And if you only had this product or had this car or whatever, it would make your life. And it puts you in a story, and you need a story to counteract that. And of course, Esbury is one of the few schools that offers a bachelor's degree in creative writing, major and minor, as well as just classes if you're interested. And we think Christian storytelling is really important. Jesus did too. It was his one of his favorite modes to tell parables, stories that people could use to frame their life, the story of the good shepherd, the story of the prodigal son. Those are stories that stay with us all through life and remind us who we are, why we're here, what's important. I love that all different kinds of people at Asbury take your classes. You could even see a business major could take a creative writing class and really benefit from that creative thinking. That's, I think, one unique component of being at a liberal arts institution. So what else do you really like about Asbury? Well, let me say a word about your first question. So I was just at Asbury Reunion this summer, way back when, 25 years ago, I had a student in one of my lit classes who was a pre-med major, who's now a doctor. I won't say his name, but hopefully he's listening. (laughs) Anyway, he came up to me, and he was like the best student in the class, even though he wasn't a lit major. And he said, Dr. Brown, I want to ask you for a favor. I said, okay. He was president of his class, and uh, he said their class uh, advisor was on sabbatical, so they needed a faculty member to be advisor for one semester. 
And he said, look, if you have to do no work, if I promise you you have to do no work except sign like papers requesting to schedule this room for us or to request a check, will you be our advisor for one semester? <laughs> so I made him that deal. And he kept his word. I signed a few things. But to have a pre-med major really be the best lit student in one of my lit classes is not unusual. And it was very lovely to have that sort of thing happen. And I guess one of my favorite things about Asbury is that it has a size where you can do all sorts of stuff. You don't have to be an English major to write for the school newspaper. You don't have to be a theater major to be in the play. I get that maybe that's frowned on now, you know, from the time you're six. If you're going to be a soccer player, you should only play soccer, oh, yeah. you know, and have morning and afternoon practices. Anyway, I like the generalist approach that can happen here. It's one of my favorite things. If you ask me my very favorite thing about Asbury, be the students. I mean, I have great colleagues. I have incredible colleagues, but even better than my colleagues are the students that are here. They know how to have fun without bringing other people down. They're interested in things besides just getting a good job. Not that we won't get them a good job, but they're interested in, in being called to serve, which is different than a good job. And it's just so refreshing. And the other thing I'll say about Asbury is it's not all one kind of thing. There's like seven or eight different little Asburys that are here that all mix and mingle and get along pretty well. So it's one of my favorite things. I was at another school as a visiting writer for one year, uh, a non-Christian school, nice school. And they asked me at Asbury, how is it at Asbury? Do you feel like you can teach everything? You feel like you can say whatever you want in class. And I couldn't really explain to them that it was at their school, this other school where I really couldn't say yeah. everything. If faith comes up in a non-Christian school, there's really a limit to what you can see, even if it's in the book. There's a certain social contract that, well, we don't really talk about that in class. It's at Asbury where you can talk about everything that's in the book, including the faith element. It's Asbury where I really feel I have academic freedom. And I get that if you're at a state school, that's going to be hard to understand. But that's what I found, and that's one of my other favorite things. That's great. That's really refreshing. And one thing, just in closing, that just came to mind with, with story and, and seeing yourself in the context of this larger story. I think something that's really unique about Asbury are the class identities. I'm actually wearing the surrendered class shirt right now. And I think that's a really important way for students to understand like your four years or however long you were here. You were part of a community that was a larger story, was a bigger story. And I think that really is important for students. It's, it's humbling for one thing and, and it really grounds you and it connects you with other people in a unique way. It's like this was the story of our, our time here. And I just love that giving that a name is something that Asbury does. Because then, you know, you mentioned the reunion. You look back at the other classes that come in and you hear their class name and you think, oh, I wonder what their story is. I wonder what the story was behind that. So it's really fun to dig into those. And, and the longer that you're at Asbury, you hear those things. So as we close, is there any particular story that's really stuck with you in your time at Asbury that you've heard? You're right to say that Asbury has this sense of belonging, sense of community that I don't think many people have experienced. But Asbury's goes so much deeper and broader than that. Yeah, we have our film people here, and we have our math people, and we have our soccer team, and we have all those things. We have our choirs. But there's something that goes beyond that and deeper. I'm sure that if people understood that, I think we'd have a line around the block waiting to come here. So I was teaching senior sem one year, and we were talking about Asbury, and it's a class where you look back on your four years as a senior, as an English major, and you talk about things. And at that point, you're really ready to talk about things. And one of my students said this. She said, what I love most about Asbury is that I'm friends and pointed to another girl across the room, and I have nothing in common with her hmm. other than 
We're both at Asbury. We both love God. We're both thinking. But she was a cheerleader, and this other girl was like super smart going to grad school. And in the world's eyes, you'd never think that they would love each other, have friends, laugh, but they did. Mm -hmm. There was a sense of belonging that went beyond just, you know, we all play the ukulele in this club or we're the bowling team. And it's true. It's true. We're one body with many parts. We're united by the love that God has for us, and we respond by loving each other. And you see these groups, which is great. Our world is hungry for community, and our world is dying of isolation. And so you see people, which is good, joining the hiking club or the biking club or the ukulele club or something like that with a common interest. And that's a very good start. But to be someplace where it goes beyond just those superficial interests to have something that unites, just like the class identity. I mean, that class of freshmen that's coming here, it's got about 18 jillion different kinds of people, but they'll all be united as a class and united as Asburians. I mean, we'll be all together in Hughes. Our whole school will gather together. I don't know, but most people don't realize that most schools, you're never all under one roof at one time. You probably don't even have a building other than a field house that can do that. And to look around and say, here is our whole school, something we're all a part of. Now, we're not all identical. Some of us, our parents went here, some didn't. Some of us never heard about this school until we found it on the internet. All sorts of different Asburyans, but we're all united in that sense. And it seems hokey to say, it seems hard to believe till you get here. But once you're here, you get it, and you know that it's real. Make sure you grab this new book when it comes out in August, Not Exactly Love. I know I'm going to be reading it, and my daughter will be reading it. She'll probably read it 10 times. Can you read us a line? Yeah, I'll read the opening part, so there won't be any spoilers. If this is your (laughs) cup of tea, you'll know. It's written in a diary form. It begins like this. Tuesday, January 1st, New Year's Day. I, Lita Johnson, have to do something. I know this. How do I know? Today, as my mom and I were hitting the last after-Christmas sales, we just happened to walk past the Snowflake, our favorite dessert place in town. I just happened to look inside where I just happened to see my best friend, Ruby, who just happened to be having hot chocolate with her boyfriend at the semi-secluded back table. Perhaps I should mention that the reason the back table is semi-secluded is because it's semi-crammed in behind the buffet station they use on Sundays. My mom noticed me looking in and asked if I would like to get some tea and split a snowflake, a giant real vanilla donut topped with white frosting, shredded coconut, and caramel drizzle, and, as the name suggests, the restaurant's signature pastry. Having tea at the snowflake is one of our favorite mother-daughter things to do, and any other time I would have said yes, but something about seeing Ruby and her boyfriend all smiley and semi-secluded made me ask if we could go somewhere else instead. Thank goodness my mom said yes. Well, thank you so much for joining us for this episode of This is Asbury. To learn more about Asbury University, visit asbury.edu. 